Good morning. Thank you for being here. Is it, uh, is it still windy outside? Okay. I think half our uh, front yard is out on Kipling right now, so I'll get that after service. <laughs> A neighbor called and said, what do you want us to do with your guy's wooden pumpkin sign? I was like, it's yours. It's yours. We'll, we'll just forget we ever had it. So thank you for being here. My wife and I have this long, ongoing, it started as a disagreement, now it's a discussion, um, and, it's the, and we revisit it from time to time, and it's, it's basically titled, what is the worst possible pain a human being could go through? And so, I mean, we've, we've disagreed through the years, and uh, as I've gotten more life perspective, I've realized it's what she would advocate is the worst pain a human being could go through. Ladies, what is it? It's childbirth. It's the same answer all the time from every lady. But I do this thing where I try to relate as she describes what it's like because I'm, I'm never going to know. I, I, I suppose there's a YouTube video where they've actually put these electrodes on guys to, to simulate what it's like. And they're screaming within like 10 seconds. But um, I'll do this thing where I'll try to relate and I'll say, oh, yeah, that reminds me of the time I got. It wasn't really a paper cut. It was a cardboard cut. And she's like... And she looks at me like many ladies are looking at me right now. So anyhow, um, I, I bring all that up because she and I finally came to an agreement on while this isn't the worst possible pain a human being could go through, it's, it's difficult anytime something happens to the foot. I mean, you remember, remember a stubbed toe? I mean, it's hilarious when it happens to somebody else, but it is the worst when it happens to you because you just go straight down. Or if you've had the unfortunate experience of stepping on a tack or a nail, there is something about the nerves in the foot that is just so difficult. Or let's just go with the worst of them all, a Lego. How many of you have stepped on Legos before? See, when you're a kid, this is not a big deal to you because you don't weigh anything, okay? And so you just glide across them. But when you're an adult, I now appreciate what I put my, my parents through when I was a kid and I would leave my Legos out on the floor. And I bring all this up because when something happens to our feet, we are reminded of how fragile we are and how vulnerable we are. And, and I also bring it up because as we've been looking at Moses' life and as we've been looking at the things that God has used to form Moses, like an extended period of time where Moses discovered really who he wasn't or how he wasn't to be, or the wilderness that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, this extended time in the wilderness— or as we talked last week, coming to a seemingly ordinary place and noticing the presence of God right there in the ordinary place, not on the mountaintop, but right there in the shrub. And God will use those things. He used them to form Moses. He will use those things to form us. But we come today to a place where when, when we read this, this is in Exodus chapter three, we're picking up right where we left off last week. It is like God threw Legos out on the ground and then said this to Moses. Listen to this, Exodus chapter three, verse five. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, a couple things come to mind as I read this because I think if I'm Moses, one of the things running through my mind right now is, okay, first of all, God is speaking. This is the first, first time that God may have spoken to Moses. And this is holy ground? I mean, if you're Moses, you got to be thinking, I've been wandering for 40 years. 
I'm on, we read there, on the edge of the wilderness. And, and you're going to tell me this is holy ground? And if I could just come to us for a moment, do you not look around and think, could this be holy ground? I mean, I, I, like we talked about last week, I'm thinking it's the inspirational places and the places where it's smooth and things are going well and it's comfortable and it's maybe a mountaintop experience and there's an emotional or spiritual high. And yet as Moses is discovering, no, this place, on the edge of the wilderness, after years and years and years, this is holy ground. And it, this wasn't just a physical place for Moses. This wasn't a three foot by four foot plot of land. This was actually a spiritual place that Moses had come to where finally he could be receptive to what God had to say as he called out to him from this burning bush. In this physical and spiritual place for Moses, I'm reminded of us because when you look at all that has gone on, is it not true that this, the, the physical circumstances that we're walking through, is it possible that this could be a spiritual place that we're in right now as well? Where, where we're maybe in disbelief watching everything going on around us and what's finally left to say is, okay, God. Okay, God, what do you have to say? Because when things were normal, I've heard from many people, we've been so busy and we've been so scheduled and we've had so much going on. And yet perhaps this is an opportunity to stop and go, Lord, what do you have to say? But the other thing that's interesting here is in this very uncomfortable place, what does God say to Moses? Take off your sandals. Now, I don't know about you, but if Legos are on the floor, if there are nails on the floor, if it's rough ground, if it's hot sand, I'm not taking sandals off. I am putting them on and I am layering up, aren't I? And aren't you? Every single one of us. Yeah, we layer up because we want a barrier between us and the ground when it's uncomfortable. And yet God would say, no, no, no. This ground, this ground is where I need you to be barefoot. See, we often try to handle with sandals or steel-toed boots or whatever it is, the place that God wants us barefoot, don't we? I mean, you look around at our country and it is raw right now and it is volatile right now. And, and the default for every single one of us is to create a barrier. If I could just protect myself as we'll get into in just a moment here, then I'll be okay. And then I'll glide across this. See, there's an approach. We, we tend to try to muscle our way through or force our way through or, or just make it as quick as possible through this place, this rough ground. It, it reminds me of, remember, <clears throat> excuse me, remember the carnival? Remember the sledgehammer game? where you take the sledgehammer, you hit the steel plate, you try to ring the bell. And I remember thinking, one of the first times I played this in high school, I thought, well, I've got a weights class, so I'm just gonna muscle this thing. And I got up there, I was in front of my girlfriend, swung as hard as I could. Puny weakling is what I got to. Puny weakling. And somebody, somebody reminded me that when it comes to this game, actually they taught me, here's a tip for you, okay? If you wanna win that game every single time, you hold the mallet, you let your hand, as you swing it over your head, let your top hand slide down and use the weight of the mallet and do a squat. And it will hit, it's actually about the angle that it hits that steel plate. It will hit that steel plate. You'll ring the bell every single time. Every time I've played it since then, I've won a stuffed animal. So let's close in prayer. That's all you need for the, to get through this next week. 
But isn't it interesting? We think the approach is, I'm going to force my way through. I'm going to muscle my way through. Or as we've talked about in recent weeks, I'm going to formula my way through this. And God, as he said to Moses, says to us, no, no, no. I want you to take off your sandals because this is the ground of formation. And what follows is so interesting to me. There is a conversation between Moses and God in which four different issues, questions, objections come up from Moses. And there are four objections that whether you follow Jesus or not, every single one of us comes up against these questions at least once, if not multiple times in our lifetime. And whether or not we're wearing that protective barrier between us and this formative ground or vulnerable, sandals off makes all the difference in the kind of people we will show up as in this world into the community and world around us. I want, to, I want to walk you through this conversation. God, God continues with Moses after he calls out to him and he says, take off your sandals. And he says, look, this is basically an introduction. He says, I am God. I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I have heard and I have seen the people's plight. Moses, remember over 40 years ago when you thought maybe I didn't see the suffering of the people? I've seen it. And the Lord says to him in a few sentences, and I have come down and I am going to rescue. And then he says something Moses and you and I couldn't possibly fathom if we were standing there in his, not shoes, but bare feet. He says, and I am sending you. And this is where Moses' objections begin. And I believe this is where our objections would likely begin. Listen to verse 6 of chapter 3 of Exodus, or verse 11 of chapter 3 of Exodus. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Do you know that question? Who am I? I mean, as I look at the circumstances around us, Does it not give you the sense of, who am I? Who am I to be able to even step into anything in front of me? And God responds to him, and we're going to get to God's responses here in a moment. But I want to walk you through Moses' objections first and his questions. God responds to Moses, and then right after God responds, Moses has another question. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? You know what question this is? Moses is saying, God, not only who am I, but what do I have? What do I have to offer? I mean, you're sending me to these people, but what am I offering them? Have you sat with that question? We all have. Where you look around and you go, Lord, what do I bring into this situation? Well, God responds to him. And again, we'll see in a moment what that response was. But Moses comes to a third question at the beginning of chapter four. Moses replied to God, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? See, so he's moved from who am I to what do I have to now what if they? We all know that question, don't we? What if they? What if they do? Or what if they don't? It's a question I heard a lot this last week. As we we talked all things election, as I heard from multiple people, you want to know the question on everybody's mind? What if they? And everybody's pointing at a they. Everybody's got a they. What if they? And God has a response for that, as we'll see in a moment. But there's still another question, because Moses just keeps on going, just like you and I keep on going. 
And this isn't so much a question as much as it is an objection. God answers Moses a third time. And in verse 10 of chapter four, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, what? What can I do, God? What abilities do I have? And these questions really can, can easily move into the answers that we so frequently give. I'm not. I lack. What if they, in other words, they won't, and I can't? See, this is what we often do, and you want to know why? Because we are staring at us. You notice all of Moses' objections, they have to do with Moses, and they have to do with other people. And there's a fear of human beings that is just sitting here in Moses that God on holy ground wants to deal with. See, this is what happens. When I look around and I ask the question, who am I and what do I have and what if they and and what if I can't? You know what answers I come to? Me-centered answers. And so what we do is we we go into self-preservation mode. And I'm going to preserve me, and I'm going to protect myself from them, and we just power up, don't we? See, there's something that happens when we wear sandals on holy ground, when we refuse to take them off. When we bring barriers to holy ground, we cultivate thin skin and hard hearts. I mean, think about it. Just the the act of wearing footwear keeps your feet soft, doesn't it? If it's good footwear... And this is what we do. And and, and unfortunately, what happens is we become completely unaware of what God is doing in the midst of all of it. It reminds me of me on Zoom this last six months. Has everybody interacted with Zoom in some form over the last six, eight months? I keep doing this thing that I'm starting to get in more and more trouble for. I, I have the headphones on and I'm talking on Zoom and then I get done and I forget the headphones are on and I continue talking to my family in this volume. And they're going, Nathan, stop. Just completely oblivious to what's going on around me. And this is what happens to us when we continue to wear sandals in the place that God says, I want bare feet. I want you vulnerable before me. I want you to look around and I know the ground isn't comfortable and the circumstances aren't comfortable, but will you just be vulnerable before me? And if you'll do that, and if we could do that, then something incredible happens. Now I want to walk you back through this conversation. But I want to walk you back through from God's point of view. Because Moses has four very reasonable, very relatable objections slash questions that he asks. And God has four powerful answers. Listen to his answers. To Moses' first question, who am I? What does God say in verse 12? And God said, I will be with you. I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that, is I, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Did you catch that answer? He said nothing about Moses other than I, the sovereign God of the universe, will be with you. And I'll give you a sign, but you'll have it when this is all done, Moses. Until then, between now and then, you know what it is? It's faith. It's faith. You'll have assurance, but right now it's faith. So Moses asks his second question. What if I go to him and I tell them I've been sent by the God of your fathers, your forefathers? 
And they say, what is his name? Lord, what do I have? God answers in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See how Moses is wondering, do I have what is sufficient? And God's response is, I'm sufficient. You tell them and they will know. And God goes far beyond who Moses was worried about here. Moses is thinking about the Israelites and God says, I am will be enough for the Israelites. I am will be enough for the leaders, the elders of the Israelites. I am will be enough for the king of Egypt. And I am will be enough for the Egyptians. Now at that point, you're probably thinking, okay, I'd be good. I'd be good. I mean, God's already speaking out of this burning bush. I'm good. Not Moses. He's going to keep going. And Moses, concerned as he is, He says, well, what if they? What if they don't believe me? And you may know the story. God says, see that staff in your hand? Throw it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground. It becomes a serpent. God says, now grab it by the tail. Moses grabs it by the tail. It becomes a staff. God says, put your hand in your cloak. Pull it out. It's leprous. Put it back in, Moses. He pulls it out. It's restored. And God performs these signs and he explains as this third response why he's doing this. Chapter four, verse five, he said, this is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In other words, you're not just gonna say who I am, Moses. I'm gonna show who I am. And finally, Moses, like a small child, like all of us, He asks or objects a fourth time. He says, Lord, pardon me. I've never been eloquent. I don't have what it takes. And God's response in in verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So you know what? You know what happens at holy ground when when we'll just be vulnerable before God? And I say just, but I realize that's a big deal. If we will take the barriers off, if we'll take the sandals off on holy ground, holy ground becomes the place, as difficult as it is, that God convinces us of his statement, I am. And he gets our eyes off of ourselves, as we said a couple weeks ago. He's taking the Moses out of Moses. He's taking the Nathan out of Nathan. He's taking the you out of you so that he can fill Moses, so that he can fill you and me with I am. And for Moses, this was, a, this was an audible voice coming from a bush, which is how we often want it, right? Lord, just write it on the sky. Just say it. Just give me the answer. And as we've said every single week, you know what God gave us instead? the cross. The cross is that I am statement. The tomb is the I am statement. The empty tomb is the I am statement. When you think I'm not, and I lack, and and they won't, and I can't, God's response to you is I am. So can we sit there? Can we sit there? Can we do something different than what we'd like to do on holy ground? Because while we'd like to protect ourselves and we bring our barriers to holy ground and we walk around with thin skin and hard hearts, you know what will happen if you bring bare feet to holy ground? God cultivates something, not us. God cultivates thick skin and a soft heart. Because you know what God needs 
in Moses, in you and me. Not thin skin, hard heart. Thick skin, soft heart. Uh, Years ago, years ago, I had a lawn business. This is a true story. Um, I had this for about 10 years. And I named the lawn business Holy Ground Aerations. Okay, if you've ever gotten an aeration, it pokes holes in the ground. Please don't make me explain this. Okay, Holy Ground Aerations. Anyhow, I remember that first, like, week. I thought I was going to quit. Because I just went, oh, I thought this was going to be great. I, I thought I was going to love, like, having a business. And this has been miserable. And let me tell you why it's been miserable. Because the ground, the literal ground was so terribly uncomfortable. See, I was going across people's lawns. And what didn't occur to me is many of, many of these uh, customers that I had, they had, like, a true green chem lawn service as well. And so I'm walking across chemicals and fertilizer. And how do you think my feet felt at the end of the day? Just itchy. And and you've been walking all day with this big, awkward, there's no easy way to operate an aerator. Uh, Pay somebody to do it, okay? That's not a plug for, oh, it is a plug for holy ground aerations. But I, I remember at the end of the day just going, oh, my feet, my feet, and I need better shoes. And, and I would just sit there and massage and, and even itch and scratch my feet. But something happened over that first year that I can only now appreciate and even now see. Over that year, you know what happened to the bottom of my feet? Well, my feet first, they started to look like hobbit feet from Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to show you, okay? But they began to thicken. They began to thicken. The soles of my feet began to thicken, but something else was happening. These customers that I thought this was a business transaction and I'll give you something, you give me something, you know what? Something happened. The heart began to soften. And these were no longer just customers. These became friends. And these became people that even now, like, sit in our congregation. And I was reminded that this is what God does. This is what God does. If we will come before him, even on the uncomfortable ground, he will thicken our skin and he will soften our hearts. And you want to know why that's important? Because God was about to do something that Moses and you and I cannot yet see. I understand that it is hard to navigate these days right now, but is it possible that God may be preparing and God may be getting ready every single one of us, for things that we can't yet see? Of course. Of course. It's true all the days of our lives. You never 20 years ago would have imagined life the way it is right now, would you? Whose plan has worked out? Nobody. If you raise your hand, you're lying right now in church. I'm just saying, okay? No. Nobody's plan has worked out. And so with that in mind, three things. Three things to keep in mind. Number one, sandals fall apart. Sandals fall apart. Every single one of us is walking around with some sandals right now. We've got some barriers. As uncomfortable as the ground is right now, as we look across what we're walking through and the culture that we're in and everything going on, the sandals we're walking in and depending on, we're going to wear through them. You're either going to wear through them or the ground is going to wear through them. And so perhaps we stop and consider, what are the sandals? What are the sandals that I'm holding on to that I want to keep wearing where God may say, no, could I, could I just have you vulnerable right here? Number two, while for Moses and God, we see in Exodus chapter three and four, it looks like a one-time conversation. This is not a one-time conversation. 
That is perhaps every single day, one of the greatest things you and I could do is to get up and get on our knees. And truly, I mean, we talk about prayer, right? But, but this time on holy ground at the start of the day to spend some time with him. I mean, I get it. We, we hear this so much in church. And yet, this is one of the sustaining formative practices that God is inviting us in to talk to him, to hear from him, to do life with him. It's not a one-time conversation. And finally, smooth is not the goal. Smooth is not the goal. I used to think that the relationship with God was, you know, the mountaintop. It's always inspirational. It always feels great. Everything's going to always work out. It's going to be smooth. But here's what I love. Moses, at the end of four objections, four objections, listen to what Moses says next. God has done all this. He's shown him signs. He's given him four responses that should be so assuring. And Moses says this, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) See, you know, the conversation that we may need every single day is that working out and maybe wrestling with God, that thing in us that wants to say the exact same thing. I wish I didn't understand this statement of Moses but I get it. Every single day as you wake up and you look around at rough terrain, it's holy ground. And there may be something inside that says, send somebody else. I I just want to bury my head in the sand and just mind my own business and I want things to go smoothly. And if you read that passage, what comes next is it says, the Lord's anger burned at Moses. And at that point, you're thinking, he's done. He's done. And we assume if we object enough that God's done with us. You know what catches me here? God faithfully, patiently keeps going with Moses. You want to know why I think that is? Because God knew what he was preparing Moses for. And it was something that Moses couldn't yet see. There are people in your life and in my life who are desperate for the hope, the peace, the comfort, the salvation that you and I have. And God has them in mind and God sees them. And so, you know what he's doing? He's forming our feet. He's thickening our skin and he's softening our hearts so that as the book of Isaiah says in chapter 52, verse seven, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those that bring good news. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. On the mountains, that means thick skin. To bring good news, that means a soft heart. And so, the question for you and I, will we be vulnerable as the worship team comes back up? Can we be vulnerable during this time when the temptation and the direction and the nudge seems to be to harden and to just self-preserve and protect I guess this is all my really long way of asking you one question. Will you take off your sandals? We'll wrap this up next week. Let me pray. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And once again, we're reminded that as we look out across our nation, less than a week after an election that showed us just how divided our country is, I mean, Lord, it doesn't look anything like ground you would use to form us. And yet, as we look at Moses' life, it looks exactly like the ground you would use to form us. A pandemic, 
social unrest, possibility of quarantine, an election, and yet you see all of it. And you see beyond all of it as well. And so we know you know the solution. You know the answers and your ways are not our ways. Your answers are not our answers. And so I pray, Lord, that you would stir our hearts to do the only thing we can do is to respond to you, to step onto this holy ground, not bury our heads in the sand, but to say, Lord, I'm here and my sandals are gone and I'm gonna remain vulnerable for you, to listen to you. Make us receptive to everything you're doing in us and that you wanna do through us. We pray all this in Jesus' name.